Hello, my name is Rob Salguero Gomez and I'm an associate editor at Journal of Ecology. The purpose of this blog is to interview the new winner of the Harper Award of Journal of Ecology. Her name is Martina Tjörnicht. Martina, hello, how are you doing? First of all, congratulations on the award. Hi Rob, thank you very much. And would you like to introduce yourself briefly, please? Uh, yeah, sure. So, my name is Martina. I am currently a PhD student at Stellenbosch University in South Africa and um, also jointly supervised by um, people at the University of Hohenheim in Germany. Fantastic. So, your paper published in Journal of Ecology last year entitled Environmental Drivers of Demographic Variation Across Global Geographic Ranges of 26 Plant Species received the prestigious Harper Award this year. Could you please tell us what the main findings of this paper are? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think the primary or the, the, the key finding of this paper um, was that we, we um, found that different demographic rates um, that we looked at for our study species, um, in which case was fecundity, recruitment and fire survival, um, we found that there were different drivers um, responsible or determining those demographic rates. And for fecundity, it was more the fire factor or the fire interval that was important, whereas in recruitment, um, that demographic or vital rate was more driven by a suit of climate factors. Um, that was the what I would say was the main finding of the paper. And then um, on the side, we also compared... Um, within our study species, um, different regeneration modes. So we looked at non-sprouters and re-sprouters and how they differ in um, how they function demographically. Mm -hmm. And um, we found that some of the species are, um, have high mortality rates. Those would be the non-sprouters, whereas the re-sprouters um, almost always survived fire. And so there was this clear dichotomy that emerged um, from from our fire survival analysis. So the review committee of the Harper Award this year was particularly impressed with the wealth of data and the regional scope of your study. And we were wondering, what were the main challenges in the making of this publication? I guess the main challenge was for from my side, um, as the person having to collect most of the data was certainly um, fieldwork related, um, and it was quite challenging to um, cover major environmental gradients um, per species, um, and you'll see that we had 26 study species, um, but also within the distribution of, of each species then. Um, so what was actually very nice while I was um, busy in the field. I had uh, my two supervisors from the University of Hohenheim, um, Frank Scher and Jürgen Pagel, who was sort of helping me um, in or guiding my research um, field work while I was collecting data in the South African Cape Floristic region. And they would essentially monitor my data collection efforts and then guide me um, where to go next or which environmental gradients to, to focus on. Um, of course, it wasn't always possible to find a population in the field just because one sees it on the map or on a map, but um, we found most of them and managed to, to get our study populations at the required numbers that, 
that we wanted. Um, but yeah, that that excellent background guidance was was very crucial to mm. to getting the sample sizes that we wanted um, or rather needed for the analysis. Now, as I mentioned before, it's not every day that one comes across a publication on high-resolution demographic data for 26 species. And yet, doing so can provide very important insights for ecological questions, as you have demonstrated. So, the question for you is, what would you say needs to happen for more demographic research to be able to address biogeographic bio questions like this? Right, that's, that's an interesting question and I might admit that it's a bit difficult to answer, but um, so, I mean, thinking about the scale of demographic processes can certainly um, change the way we think about important ecological observations and, and the natural world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in integrating demographic observations, um, and data from experimental approaches along with species distribution records, we're going to see quite a few exciting developments in the near future. Um, and I think these are actually also very nicely highlighted in the um, cross-journal special feature demography beyond the population. Um, however, I might add that I don't think that everyone has to take a biogeographic approach. Um, and of course, one must remember that um, our investigation were basically performed as, or at least in the data collection part, we um, were taking snapshots of um, things happening in the field and the next step might be to also extend the temporal scale um, in, in data collection. Um, so, for example, many of the population that we have collected fecundity data for by now um, has been exposed or subjected to fire and one could go back to these sites now and then have a direct link between fecundity and post-fire recruitment. Um, so definitely also extending the temporal scale would be very interesting and um, would, one would then be able to have a direct translation from one demographic rate to the next. So Martina, your research took place in South Africa. It could have taken place potentially anywhere. Why South Africa to address these questions? Right. Um, so, first of all, I am South African, which I guess helped a little bit um, in terms of logistics and organizing oneself in such a large-scale study. Um, but I completed my university research and work experience um, on different aspects of plant diversity working in the Cape Floristic region. Um, so I feel, um, on a more personal level, incredibly passionate and, and connected to South Africa, um, but also to the, the Cape region, um, so where this research was, was conducted. Um, and so more, more than 60% of the plant species in the Cape Floristic region occur nowhere else in the world. And this is something um, that I think is significant and poses definitely very interesting um, opportunities that um, plant ecologists could harvest. Um, so this research that took place in South Africa, to what extent can it be extended to other regions around the globe? Or in other words, would you expect the same results to pop up if you were to implement that elsewhere? Uh, right, yes, very interesting question. Um, so like I've mentioned before, our study was conducted in the Cape Floristic region. 
Um, it's a region with a Mediterranean type climate and consists of um, largely fire prone shrublands. And um, this, I think, definitely can be, be highly relevant to other Mediterranean climate shrublands and Sorotnes forests um, worldwide. Um, I try to imagine if one were to replicate our study, what the findings may look like for other biomes, so savanna, grassland, or even succulent shrublands. Um, and I think at least on the climate end, one may well find that species show um, you know, environmental responses across their range. And I'm especially thinking in terms of environmental optima or environmental spaces where species perform best. Um, and by this, I mean being able to reproduce or grow and not just grow, yeah. um, as these are two fundamentally different processes. So yes, I, I think to some extent, but there would be clear differences, which would be very interesting also to know. And just out of curiosity, I understand that this was part of your PhD work that you're still working towards. So what other things are you currently working on? Uh, right, so I am um, working on two main analyses um, in, of my PhD thesis at the moment. Um, the first one is we are trying to understand um, links or relationships between demographic rates, plant functional traits, and um, environmental gradients, again, collected at quite um, large geographical scales for the same 26 um, species. One way of putting this perhaps a little bit differently is um, to think in terms of how would one design a plant resilient to, to climate change for the Cape Floristic region? So which traits and demographic properties would you then select for um, in designing a plant if you know what the future is going to hold? And we think we have some idea of what the challenges um, would be for um, that plants would need to, to be um, or would be faced with in future. Um, and then secondly, I'm also working on um, writing a, a bit more of an applied conservation paper. Um, I'm trying to put the demographic data that we collected in the journal ecology paper um, to the test in an applied conservation framework, um, so as to be a testimony of how um, large-scale demographic data can answer also to real-world conservation questions. Um, and notably, I'm trying to put this in a local framework, um, so to investigate the effects of harvesting um, flowers of these rottenness shrubs and how that would then um, also perhaps vary um, spatially or across different environments. What advice would you give to early career researchers who are also interested in plant population dynamics? Um, I would say be bold, um, be ambitious and bold, and um, you are likely already doing something that is very interesting um, that few or no other people are doing. This is why you got so far. Um, so keep doing that and, and keep pursuing your, your passions. Um, definitely networking. I think contacting people um, and working with people in your environment is very important, um, even at conferences or in your local university. So yeah, just go out there and don't be scared um, or don't be terrified. They are all normal people. And then perhaps narrate. Doing research is also about telling stories and telling your story, which is an, an important one. Um, and I, I think these kind of things... Um, yeah, I hope would inspire others to, to finish their, their degrees and their research as well. Thank you, Martina.
That was the interview run for by the blog of Journal of Ecology with Martina Thürnicht, the 2016 Harper Awardee of Journal of Ecology for publication last year in the special feature Demography Beyond the Population, entitled Environmental Drivers of Demographic Variation Across the Global Geographic Range of 26 Plant Species. Congratulations again, Martina, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much.